Hi, I'm Frances Liliana, and this is The Dallas Type, an interview series where we celebrate the different personalities you'll find in the Dallas creative community. And it's also an attempt to see if there's anything that we might identify as a unifying element between all the creatives I've asked to participate. So, in regards to creatives here in North Texas, is there a Dallas Type? Okay, today's chat is brought to you by the letter U. Can you uh, say what your, your full name is and, your, and what you oh, do? Oh, sure. Jack Neil Unruh, and I'm an illustrator here in Dallas, Texas. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Let's see, if I had a superpower, you mean one that I don't have or one that I do have? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the strongest suit that I have is drawing and design. Uh, if I had another superpower, I'd uh, be able to shoot better. Uh, shoot photography or shoot guns? Oh, heaven, oh heavens, no. I'm a horrible photographer. <laughs> I know damn well that's not going to get any better. No, I'm, I'm just talking about bird hunting. Bird season's on right now, folks. And uh, I just got back from three days of quail hunting in West Texas yesterday afternoon. So, uh, you know, I, I had a small slump yesterday and it was really aggravating my soul. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's not a very in-depth answer, but uh, that's as good as I got today. What does your regular day look like when you're drawing? Uh, I, I work at home. Actually, I work behind home. Uh, I got about 30, 45 foot commute to the office or studio. And uh, I get out here around uh, 8.30, feed the dogs. And so I'm up at work around 8.40 and uh, work till around, ooh, well, so three days out of the week, I go to the, to the Y to work out. And then uh, one day, generally, I social day, kind of get together with somebody and have lunch. So, and then the other day, I just run in the house and get a sandwich. Anyway, I work about seven days a week when, uh, you know, we're not traveling or hunting or fishing. So, uh, I generally quit around, around 5.30, 6 o'clock. I don't really work much at night. I don't paint at all or draw at all at night. I, I sit there and watch TV or... You know, and with a sketchbook and just try and come up with ideas for different stories that I have and concepts. Sometimes that comes real quick, sometimes not so quick. And, uh, but pretty much when I'm in town, I'm, I'm working. Uh, I've got a project that, you know, keeps me busy on the weekends if I don't have an assignment that I need to be working on. But, uh, you know, it's a self-motivated thing I'm doing in a journal that I'm working on paintings that uh, I've collected photographs on my different trips and I'm trying to include that in a journal that Jack Sunderford and I are working on. Anyway, so it, it's about uh, an 8.30 to 5.30, 6 o'clock day. So, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started freelancing in October the... Uh, over the 8th, I rented office space down in the Urban Building in 1958. Uh, another guy and I started the studio. And, uh, but, you know, the, the schedule itself is pretty much the same. Uh, I, I don't work at night. I, I never have understood anybody that did all-nighters. I just <laughs> turn the work down. I have to do that. I'm not, yeah, not going to do it. Because then you're shot at the stage, so you, you haven't made any progress as far as that's you're just treading water so you're, you know you're just trading time one day for the next 50 some years now oh, uh, what, what has been your favorite part of, of the job 
Did you have a hero or mentor that kind of led you to your style or or the or pursuit? Um, you do have a very distinct style. Was there something that led you to that, or is that just always how you've drawn? And did you have somebody that helped guide you to kind of find that? Well, not not an individual, but I had influences, and uh, Audrey Beardsley probably was one of the strongest in design sense, and. Uh, exaggerated drawing style was, you know, a motivating factor. Actually, when I was at Washington, I uh, was a librarian there, part-time, you know, part-time job at night um, uh, in the art department. And they just got me a new book on Arthur Gersley, and, and I had my sights on that thing. I figured by the time I graduated, that book was going with me. <laughs> to do what you love for you know a living and get paid for it what what kind of hobbies or obligations are there for you let's say hobbies and obligations uh what do you mean by obligation you kind of have you don't have to work nights or you, you choose not to work nights you get to draw for a living and then even some of the hobbies that you described kind of the quail hunting and and kind of being in nature even um, they seem to be part of what you do also. So what what would you say your obligations are, considering that kind of the rest of it seems pretty meshed together? <laughs> well, well, the obligation seems awfully strong. But <laughs> I mean, do you I have any, good, like... I, I got a fairly good family life, unfortunately, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, do you volunteer? Are you involved I, in the community I, anymore? I'm sorry? Or do you volunteer? Or you um, you were involved in the community before? Um, are there? I was before, and not so much now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I've got grandkids, and uh, so we spend some time different ball games, considering that I could care less about those things. <laughs> uh, but you know, we go out and support kids. Uh, take some of my grandkids fishing and hunting. Judy and I did a little bit of traveling. She's particularly fond of Italy. So we've been there a number of times. Unfortunately, she'll go with me to Wyoming and Montana. So we probably spend about a month and a half away from uh, Dallas, mm-hmm. off and on doing stuff. And, uh, you know, I used to be active in different organizations, but good gosh, you know, let's see, I, I turned 80 this year and ate my first raw oyster. So anyway, I haven't gotten around to you. you know, I've kind of bailed out of a lot of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. I used, to, I used to give a bunch of different talks to universities. In fact, I used to teach at one time. But, uh, you know, I turned down all the stuff. I haven't figured out that we really need that many more illustrators that they're trying to produce. And I just don't think there's a career opportunity to help promote that. So mm-hmm. I know we're diverging a little bit from your obligations. Also, I have to take care of the yard. I decided since I'm going to the gym to work out, I might as well mow the grass. So I do that. <laughs> 
bits you did mention and in, in regards to illustrators. So what do you think in regards to illustration? Do you think there is a big opportunity there or do you think it's kind of diverged into something else or should illustrators learn additional skills? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I do not think there's near the future in illustration or the money. I mean, there might be the future in, in, in electronic imaging. I think it's shifted entirely from different from what I used to think of illustration. Uh, you know, there's uh, CGS, there's uh, you know, all kinds of things, ways of making images that are different from what I consider illustration, which is drawing and painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, you know, for magazines, for printed page, things that I really care about has uh, absolutely no future in it because there's no money in it, you know. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to do corporate work and do an annual report, you know, I didn't make 30 to 50,000 or some of them were over 100. And there's nothing like that available anymore that I'm aware of. I mean, if somebody's doing that, bless their hearts, but I'm not, you know, you know, magazine illustration just doesn't pay squat. It's a nice hobby, but it's fun. Sure as hell, I would not think I was trying to make a living off of this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see the future of it in the way that I think of it. I see there's a future of it, you know, for game people and then you know, electronic developed images for the electronic area or computer area, whatever you want to call it, but not as what I would consider an art form. Yeah, and so do you think it's it's actually because of maybe? the wealth of, of, of ma- not even magazines, but because of uh, like all of the blogs and all the magazines out there, do you think that just kind of the art form has kind of been diluted because there's so much out there and that maybe, you know, what you, what you do is, is, is kind of moving more towards the arts? Well, number one, uh, you know, I'm, I, 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 we're, we're doing the blog now, is that right? Well, this is a podcast. <laughs> a, a, a podcast, okay. Uh, I have a third time. Okay, I'm not even sure what the heck a blog is. In fact. Uh, <laughs> I, I, my computer's still pretty much limited to what my, what we want to do. Katie puts up on there, and I can press one put, button and get on Facebook, and I have to sign in, but I don't know what my <laughs> deal is. I don't know how to post anything on Facebook. Uh, I can find Google Images, uh, you know. It's very, very, very limited. Um, so I'm, I'm not really knowledgeable about that at all. I, I, there's just, you know, the money that was in it was in the corporate end of it all the time. Mm-hmm. And when the magazines were big and fat, you know, me and, and, and Mark English were making about $2,500 spread for the girl magazines, you know, for the women's magazines. You could buy a Corvette for five grand back then. Mm-hmm. You know, or of course for a little bit more. So, you know, they weren't doing so bad. But, uh,
So on to a more positive note. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything Sorry that, about that? <laughs> I've been trying to? I mean, I think one of the things whenever I actually started in the industry is back in '01, we would pitch the, the photographers. I think the same photographers you were talking about, and I know I tried to use you many, many times <laughs> for like Halliburton and and some of the the more in report type jobs. And yeah, I, I think, think we did a Halliburton thing, didn't we? You did one with. Jeff or Marcus, oh, and okay. yeah, you and I tried to pitch you again. <laughs> they were like, I think at that point it was right at that cusp where, you know, it, I, I got the I had I have the luck of being able to have seen those first years of my career. I was able to see what that you know that giant photo shoot looked like and the giant illustrations looked like, and then you know, I think very soon after is whenever that kind of changed a bit. So I have that luck of being able to say, yeah, I mean, you know, whenever we get a bid in from an illustrator and our clients are like, wow, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, it's it's kind of interesting to see where where it went. But I think one of the things that I would remark on that illustration and then in the photography that I think has been lost is this idea of craft and this craftsmanship, which I think, you know, it's not only in, in illustration and um, you kind of see that that not necessarily lack of craftsmanship, but I mean, it's it's definitely a lot more rare. Um, so what in particular do you think about your personality led you to the craft? Creativity, and I, I mean, I don't know, um, you know, how easy it was to get into it. I think you said earlier that it surprised you that, you know, I guess your family was okay with it. Was that is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, it didn't at the time. It didn't even occur to me. You know, that said maybe make a living doing illustrations and, and make a living out of that. You know, I said, well, okay. <laughs> kind of like old Waldo there. Oh, sure. Uh, and so I did, you know, and, and it didn't occur to me that it wouldn't work, uh, which was really weird, but uh, it just, you know, I always figured it would, and, uh, you know, it progressed. Uh, but when it came down to Dallas, another guy and I opened a studio, and, and we ended up, we had about, I think, two of us, and another designer, and an illustrator, and a secretary at one time, and then Uncle Sam called us back to duty. Go to the Berlin Wall, which we did very successfully from Fort Polk, Louisiana. Uh, and then came back after about a year and the studio had been disbanded. And I started, you know, on a freelance career just trying to do illustration. And, uh, and it took a, it, yeah, it wasn't all that good when I started down. It took a long time trying to develop it at night and working on it, getting, uh, did a lot of 
mm-hmm. very average. And then, you know, slowly developed uh, a look that was acceptable and, uh, you know, things just progressed as far as, you know, being in the it, it never occurred to me that it wouldn't, but I've seen a lot of people where it didn't. So, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't very observant. <laughs> this stubborn house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. So if somebody else was stubborn and regardless of, you know, the future of illustration being um, profitable, maybe somebody just wants to do it and, you know, maybe they they win that big Powerball prize and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to keep illustrating whether (laughs) people um, pay me big for it or not. What would, what would, what advice would you give to them, to somebody that wants to do what you do or somebody that wants to, you know, bring it back? Well, um, just practice your craft and uh, your drawing and your thinking. You know, it's the idea that's the most important thing, and after that, how you present it. Your way of seeing the world and making a presentation of hopefully what is a unique thought. And if you can pull that off and have fun doing it, hallelujah. That's about <laughs> it. It's really damn simple. <laughs> but it takes a nice, it takes a unique combination because I know a lot of really good artists that could not be illustrators, but they were tremendous painters and great and great artists. But, you know, we have to work in collaboration with somebody else. They set up parameters, and we have to do our dances in those parameters and still pull off a unique piece of work that matches, you know, what they're trying, what they want to pay money for. You know, it's like talking about the clients saying, my goodness gracious, that's a lot of money to pay for something like that. But, um, so we have to make everybody happy along the way and and if our designers that we're working for can't make their client happy they're sure not going to come back to you so it's just a a fun game do you have any projects that you're particularly proud of (laughs) (laughs) all of them let's see you know one one I never got any recognition for how about that Uh, once upon a time, I used to do a lot of work for National Geographic, and they'd send me around the country. And one time I did a series of uh, illustrations for them on wildflowers across America. And so I went to six different areas and um, did research and talked to botanists, biologists, went out in the field and photographs and everything. And then I did six spreads for Geographic on uh, wildflowers across America. And the way I designed it and the way it turned out, I thought that was one of the better projects I ever did. Now, it wasn't conceptually such a great deal, but physically it worked out. Um, so that, that was one that I don't think it ever even got in any of the shows. But uh, it was a fun project. But there have been a lot of them. One other interesting job that I worked on was I spent 20 days in Mexico uh, going to all the different breweries and, and uh, manufacturing places for beer uh, for Andrew for a long time. And there was this large conglomeration down there that uh, uh, put out like three annual reports over somehow another over a company and I did oh god I don't know I started in in October and finished up the 4th of January and worked every day including well except Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day uh, doing illustrations for them I don't even remember how many we did but the guy was standing there the last day in the office in the studio you know, waiting for me to hand him the last one. I said, oh, we got one more spot to do. He said, no, nah, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> so they deposited money at bank, and we all went home. 
I got to go to all the Dos Equis plants. And everything. It was strange. You know, they made the glass that went in the bottle. They made the bottle. They made the label. They printed the labels. They made the little caps. They printed those little caps. They made the beer. They had they owned the trucks that distributed the beer. They owned the uh, places that sold the beer that made the refrigeration places. You talk about a vertical company. Uh, they had it going. <laughs> anyway, it, it was you know another one of those interesting things to learn about. And I also had all the Coca-Cola distribution for uh, Mexico. It was a big deal. That's amazing. Um, so this wouldn't be a Dallas type talk without a few Dallas questions. So. Um, with your talent, you could have really, I mean, you've been able to go everywhere. So why Dallas for home? Oh, well, that was really simple. When I got out of school, I wouldn't work a damn. Uh, several of us came down here on spring break, and we were going to look for jobs. I had an aunt that lived down here, and that's why I knew about Dallas. And I knew I wasn't good enough to make a living in New York or the West Coast. LA at the time, or San Francisco, uh, and I knew I needed to grow, and I thought the Southwest might be the next growth area. You, you've got to remember, this was back in the late 50s when their public bank building was this building in town, and they were just, uh, uh, it had just been on the cover of Life magazine, just because of its innovation design and so forth. So, uh, another kid and I came down here, and we uh, found jobs. Uh, I was going to go to work for Walt Linder. And I think the other guy was going to go to work for Bud Biggs, who had a studio. And uh, then Uncle Sam came along and interrupted us for a year when the Nam War was starting, and uh, we were trying to dodge that. So we went into uh, Air Force Reserves, and uh, I spent about a year messing around with that. Then both got together and came down to Dallas and decided we'd just open up our own studio since those job opportunities had gone away. And we had interviewed everybody that was down here and left. we thought, well, we could at least hold our own with them. And we were very fortunate. It was a very gracious art community. God, God, people took you in and introduced you to other people and called and, you know, said, well, you ought to see so-and-so. And the printers and the paper people were really nice and came around. And old Kenny Hazel would come over and, uh, you know, give you some thoughts about who you might call on and so forth. So like, we developed a business and grew. But uh, as an illustrator at that time, I couldn't do it. I, I really wasn't an illustrator. Uh, but I did finally develop it. And then along came uh, air freight, fax machines, FedEx, and now computers. And, and there really was no need to move. Uh, I would have had an entirely different career if I had gone to New York later. But I wouldn't have been able to do Many of the things, you know, like take off this weekend and go out to West Texas and go bird hunting for three days. Uh, it would be a much bigger deal. So um, there was a time when we thought about moving. Actually, it was going to be to Montana. And then my wife said, cheaper, what are you going to do with all the grandkids we're not going to see? So we stayed, and that was <laughs> one of the best things that ever happened because, you know, I ended up with some of the greatest grandkids. If you were paying money, I couldn't buy a better one. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, Dallas, you know, just was home. It, it just Do you it think... worked out well enough. It would have been differently, but it, it would have been different. But, uh, you know, through associations, especially, you know, with Stan Richards, I used to do a lot of work with his design group and then some of this agency. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of good designers that came through there, and they were all friends and, 
Mm-hmm. Aaron went down to Houston, bless his heart. But, you know, there, there were enough of us that stayed here that uh, yeah. I think Dallas developed into a really strong art, art design or whatever community you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, I still think it, all, it still has we all, that strength. We all find the same ladder on each other's backs. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's the community that a lot of people still remark on um, in regards to, you know, the it it definitely still exists that um, and all and all of the the guys that you mentioned, you know, really did kind of pass it on, pass on not only the the knowledge and and um, but they've also passed on that kind of, you know, you you refer people who you need to refer to, and you know, you um, I think it it's. I think with DSVC, I, I, I noticed that a lot of the speakers that came into town always talked about that community, the really tight knitness of of the you know the the printers and the paper people and the illustrators and photographers. I think it's I think it's still there. Um, what's your favorite part of of living here? Well, it's not the summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody would say it's the same. Well, I mean, it really, it's, you know, it's, Dallas has grown to be awfully large, you know, just driving in yesterday afternoon, you, you realize how far out, you know, it's Fort Worth is all the way to Weatherford now. Um, so it's not that part of it. And, you know, but my favorite part of living here now is I'm uh, really just the, the you know, just uh, I'm kind of isolated from the design community anymore, uh, so it's not that much of a part of my life. But uh, you know, I've got a we've got a really strong family group here. My daughter and her husband live here, and we spend a lot of weekends together having dinner and so forth. But, you know, Judy's kids and mine, um, and our grandkids. So, uh, and I live out here in Forest Hills, which is have an isolated community with a bunch of trees and close to the lake. And I spend a lot of time here when we're not traveling. So, huh, what's the best thing about Dallas? I would guess that would just have to be about it. But the best thing about it was really back when you know, I was starting a business and, and I was talking about you know different how the design community grew and uh, the fact that we all grew together. And I'm glad to hear that that still exists, but I am really separate from that part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's just because I'm lazy and don't go to the meetings. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you, you've done, you know, a lot of the, the work to help kind of um, set the pace and actually help kind of establish that. Um, I think you and, I mean, I talked to who was it the other day, Virgil Scott. And I mean, I think it's just kind of generations of, 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 of establishing that. And especially earlier, you mentioned, you know, when you guys moved here, it wasn't there yet. And I think, you know, maybe some of the things that you mentioned earlier helped kind of define it and with Stan and, you know, that the, all of the designers and creatives that kind of grew out of that, that, um, company, help kind of establish it as well so um you know yeah he was kind of he was kind of Noah's Ark and then they spread out from there (laughs) (laughs) there was two of each kind um so we're um kind of closing in on at the end so um what what is one thing that you have 
left to do that, that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, I've got strange you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that personal project I was involved in. Yeah, I, I, over the, back in the 80s, I started carrying a journal with me rather sporadically on uh, different trips and, and so forth, and now I'm through about two of them and doing, you know, keeping track of trips and doing drawings and so forth. And, and, and uh, Jack Summerford and I, he's, he's developed it into a book format, and uh, I'm doing some paintings for it that we're adding to it. And I'm trying to find a publisher. So anyway, that, that's, I'd like to figure out a way to get that cool thing published and out of here. And uh, that, that would kind of wrap things up in a pretty good order. And I'd spend, you know, an extra month or two fishing. But, uh, <laughs> I might have a... Fly fishing is a lot of fun, and I'm glad not everybody's doing it. There was some kid wrote me the other day and said, sorry, he wasn't into the fishing, and uh, I told him we got to be out there as it is. But uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy. So, you know, a little bit more of that, I reckon. Um, what is, uh, what does tomorrow look like? Well, tomorrow, let's see, I've got three more spots I've got to do for DU, and I've got to get these sketches done for Field and Stream, uh, see if we can get that story approved. How, how far out past tomorrow do you want to go? But that, that's the immediate part of tomorrow. That's, <laughs> and also tomorrow's, i got to get to the Y, yeah. <laughs> it's however you want to interpret it. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm settling for that vision right at the moment. Uh, and that's not, that's way better than a lot of people's long vision of tomorrow. I mean, I think that that's that's kind of the dream for a lot of a lot of illustrators is you know to do a, a to have a list of things that you need to do, but also I mean, kind of you know have it really associated with something that you are you are interested in. I mean, you mentioned fly fishing earlier. There's actually another designer that mentioned fly fishing and kind of. Um, how it's kind of his zen, like just kind of the description of what it feels like whenever you you hook something. It was just kind of it was like it's a really beautiful little <laughs> uh, surprising description from from the person that said it. But I should oh. connect you two. You guys might be able to go fishing. Um, well, it, it's a great sport because the activity of it, and then you know trying to figure out how to make it work, and then the fact that you don't have to kill the critter to enjoy the sport, you can let it go. Yeah. And, you, and you generally do it in really pretty places. Yeah, and you get some really nice inspiration. I mean, I've seen. I mean, some of your, some of your nature illustrations are some are my favorite. Um, Beardsley is actually one of my favorites too. And it, and I didn't connect the two until you you mentioned that he was one of your kind of influences. And so it's just like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's really cool to know. Um, so last part is a quick fire. Um, and thank you so much for taking part in, in the conversation. I really appreciate it. Okay. What is your favorite font? Can you name one? Yes, one. Favorite word? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never thought about a favorite word. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, purchase order. How about that? <laughs> favorite color? Favorite quote? Abandon all the hope you enter here. <laughs> Elvis or the Beatles? Oh, uh, early Elvis. Describe yourself in five words. I like to have a good time. 
Describe yourself in one word. Hopeful. <laughs> That's it. Thank Hopeful that I'm going to have that good time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much. You kind of woke me up on a Monday morning here. I'm trying to still wipe the sleep out of my eyes, but uh, <laughs> I hope it worked out for you anyway. Appreciate it. Um, oh, I, I forgot to mention the fact that when we did come down here, you know, there was ice and rust it so bad on the streets there in front of the art school that one of the kids had Austin Healy lost his oil pan. That was another reason we came south. We came to Dallas that first <laughs> spring break. And there actually were flowers blooming down here. And we said, good Lord, we have come to God's country. So that was a, that was a part, of, part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I mean, at least if you guys had come down there in the summer, who knows what would have happened. Well, I think we'd have turned around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was before we all had air conditioning. I lived in Dallas for the first few years without air conditioning, so... Oh, gosh. I can't even imagine. No wonder. Um. (laughs) The interview you just heard is bookended by the track Blue Jay from the album Feathers by Blue Dot Sessions, which I borrowed from freemusicarchive.org and used under the Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial license. Thank you for listening to The Dallas Type. I'm Frances Siliana. 